Welcome to Spotlight Conversations with voice talent and DJ Donna Reed. Donna talks music and media from her sunny linoleum-free studio. Come on in. All right, today she is colorful, she's fun, she's met Matt Damon, and that's why you're here. No, I'm just kidding. It's TJ Callahan, (laughs) big-time radio personality in Houston, Texas, KILT, news reporting, traffic reporting. Welcome to Spotlight Conversations. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me, and just to let you know, Matt Damon smells very nice. See, now you, now I'm going to be all thrown for the rest of the show. <laughs> Jason Statham smells pretty good, too. Okay, now there's two reasons right there. Now I can't even remember what I was going to ask you. Now you're going to say Chris Hemsworth, too, and then I'm going to be all thrown off. Oh, I haven't met him yet, but John Travolta and Cuba Gooding Jr., they were pretty nice. <laughs> As you can Although John Travolta, to be honest, when you see him in person, you know, he wears that toupee now. And he really should just go natural, my opinion. Love it. We love your opinion. Now we want to know, I've I've said radio, but you've made that transition from working in Houston radio, long time. She's also, let me just precede that by saying, TJ is in the uh, 2018 inductee for the Texas Radio Hall of Fame. So she's got the chops. Radio is your love. How did you go from radio to being a film critic? Oh, just luck. I have to tell you, if I start from the beginning, when I worked at KILT and I was part of a morning show, the Hudson and Harrigan morning show, and, you know, everybody was getting in to podcasting and uh, having blogs on the Internet. And so that was just another way, another hook to keep us in the spotlight with our audience. So our program director's like, look, everybody needs to have another little side gig going on on our website to keep people interested. And so I had been getting passes in the mail to go to movie screenings where they show you the movie a few days before it opens up in the theater and they kind of want to get an audience's opinion. So I guess Hollywood kind of knows where they're going to stand with the money that they're going to make. And like, well, maybe that'll be my shtick. I'll start reviewing these movies that I've been going to once a week. So I started doing that and it became a thing. TJ's movie reviews. Now, how long ago was this when you did this at KILT, right? FM. Yes, that was probably, I guess, the early 2000s. Been a while. So you're a movie buff even from before then, I would guess. I mean, I've always loved movies. And it's really funny. I have a friend that I used to work with way back when, when I worked at a radio station in Bryan College Station called WTAW. And I was in the news department. And... She swears that I told her way back in the early 80s that I really wanted to be a film critic. That's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And she remembers that. I have no knowledge of me ever saying that, but she swears I did. So maybe I have finally come full circle. So it's a subliminal thing, TJ. Maybe that's what happened. I guess so. So you are a member of the (laughs) Houston... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, when I finally left KILT, I was looking, you know, to stay in radio, and I have a lot of friends that have come through that radio station that are at other stations now, and I was just calling them up and say, hey, would you like a movie critic? You want a movie critic for your show? I don't call, I don't charge anything. <laughs> and um, so that's kind of how it happened. You I have friends in high places. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I gathered that the first 10 seconds of this interview. So I know you, Donna. <laughs> so you're a member of the Houston Film Critics Society and the Broadcast Film Critics Association. Now, is the Broadcast Film Critics, you, do you have to be a part of that first before you become a member of the Houston Film Critics Society? Or did they both go together? Absolutely not. They do not go together. They're separate entities. I was a member of the Houston Film Critics Society well before I'd even heard of the broadcast film critics and uh, some, you know, local people in Houston that I used to see at the screenings said, hey, we've got this society, we'd really like you to join. And we've grown in membership throughout the years. And, you know, we don't have a ton of people, but we have almost 40 people in our membership now. And that's a big deal. And we put on a yearly award show, um, usually at the Museum of Fine Arts in Houston. Um, so we're, we're getting bigger and bigger. But to be a member of the broadcast film critics, which is now called the Critics' Choice Association. It's kind of changed their name because they're no longer just for people that broadcast. They also are doing internet and I think maybe some print now. So we're called Critics' Choice. But yeah, you have, at, when I originally joined, you had to um, apply and prove that you were actually you know, on a broadcast entity on a weekly basis. So, so you, they just don't let in anybody. <laughs> of course not. So you went from Houston to LA for the Critics' Choice Awards. Now tell me what you did from, from the moment you got to LA. What did you do? Well, I have to say, if I'm gonna be totally honest, I, I have a cousin that lives in Los Angeles. So she picks me up in the airport and I hang out with her. And then we kind of go, you know, do the touristy things around LA, but it's kind of a whirlwind thing once you get, if you're coming to the Critics' Choice Awards, it's usually, um, say, on, on a Sunday evening. They don't always do Saturday night. Sometimes they do Friday night. It's always in Santa Monica. It's at the Barker Hangar, which is a, a big airport hangar in Santa Monica. And it's not too far from the airport. And it's actually in its own little airport. And you go down, and there's, you know, signs to get in. There's limos everywhere. There's stars being dropped off in certain locations. You have to stand in these lines to get your credentials. I stood in line uh, behind um, some people that you might have seen on ABC before. It used to be Ryan on All My Children. He was standing in line behind me because I think he reports maybe for Entertainment Tonight now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... Uh, so we're all lumped in there together. You have to stand in line. You have to get your press pass. You have to go through a screener, make sure, you know, you don't have any weapons or any contraband. And then you have to, I uh, previously applied for credentials. If you want to walk the red carpet, it's really blue. It's not red. Then you have to have your credentials and you go and you set up and you're there like two hours early before the show actually starts. Okay. And okay. everybody's put behind like a big hedgerow. And all the media, the TV and the radio are set up behind there. And we wait for all the stars to come down the blue carpet and then enter the show. And then if you don't choose to work the red carpet, you can go inside. And there's a big common area where, you know, they have bars and uh, appetizers set up, kind of pre-gaming before the show. And then you're called into the show and everybody has assigned seats. 
and um, the show goes on. But what people don't know is that there's, when there's a commercial break in an award show, mm-hmm. everybody gets up and starts running around and talking to each other. Nobody sits in their seat. The stars go to mingle with the other stars. The critics, us peons, we go and try and mingle with the stars. Hence the sniffing of Matt Damon and uh, mm-hmm. Jason Statham, you know, because everyone wants to like meet them, get their picture with right. them. The stars are talking business. And then you hear, you know, in the background, you know, 10 seconds till the show's back and they count down and everybody's trying to rush back to their seats so they can start the next segment of the show. So how close different. it sounds different behind the scenes. So do you just make a beeline for certain personalities or someone that, oh, I saw that movie that he or she was in. I really want to talk to them. Yes. I usually have like a partner in crime, a fellow critic that's in the show that's at the show with me. And we go about the room and like, who do we want to go talk to next? Yeah, we kind of like to who whose movie did we really love that year? And we just want to tell them you know, that we love them. One year we gave the See Her Award for uh-huh. being, uh, uh, I guess, an outgoing uh, commanding female on uh, movies and TV. And, uh, you know, the people that will come up and get these special awards and then you'll see them up there and you might go want to talk to them. Like uh, we had given this award to Claire Foy, who had mm-hmm. played the queen right. in The Crown the TV series and she had also been in the girl with the dragon tattoo. And so she was up there and I'm also known for yelling something out during the broadcast. So then when my family is watching from home, they know that I'm there. So I yell out something really loud in the audience and it usually makes it on TV. And so I yelled out at her, long live the queen. And she heard it. And so she's like, you know, thank you. Thank you very much or whatever. So then during the commercial break, we were walking to try and find somebody and I ran into Claire Foy and I'm like, Claire, I'm the one who said long live the queen. And she was like, Oh, I love you. And she just grabbed me and gave me this giant hug. And I was like, Oh, she was so nice. She wasn't mad at me. She wanted you to be her publicist. (laughs) That was probably what was going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But so, you know, you meet these people and you think that they're off limits and maybe they don't want to be super friendly. But she was very, very appreciative and very friendly. And there's a lot of them that are super nice. And then some people that won't even look at you. Right. Um, I read your reviews on Facebook. Do they give you movies to review? Or do you say, hey, I want to review this one. Or I want to watch this one and see what I think about it. Or how does, how does that work? Well, because I'm a member of these critic societies, I'm invited to all the screenings that they have in Houston. So usually the publicists for those movies invite you to the screening and you know I like to see just about everything so I go Uh, right now I'm reviewing for um, AM 1070 the answer it's KNTH AM in Houston Texas Mm -hmm. the the Sam Malone show well Sam he's easygoing he doesn't care what I review so I get to pick and choose what I want I kind of maybe gear what I'm going to talk about that week as to the audience that listens to that radio station they might not be real keen on the latest Disney movie, but they really might like the latest spy thriller. I kind of pick and choose that way, but I try and see all the movies just so I'm up on everything that's going on because at the end of the year, we do have to vote for our favorite movies. Okay. Now, do you take anybody with you when you go or do you just go over there and just, you know, get in line for popcorn? 
<laughs> yeah, I had to stop with the popcorn. I think I probably gained 20 pounds. I had to quit eating all that popcorn. <laughs> Usually you get to take a plus one. Sometimes you're not allowed. Sometimes they're like, they tell you it's press only. So you, you can only come with yourself. But a lot of times they let you give a plus one. Mostly I bring my husband, Ricky, because he's my driver. Um, that way I don't have to drive. I can just. <laughs> he's not a driver. I like it. That's cool. You know, I don't want to drive in traffic. I'll let him drive. And we go, and he likes the movies, too, though. And then a lot of times I grade them on Ricky's perception. If he's asleep within 15 minutes, well, there it is right there. Mm -hmm. If Ricky stays awake through the whole movie, it gets two thumbs up or two eyes open. That's good to do. Do you ever have friends of yours, including your husband, just go against what you thought? Like if you see a movie and you thought, that was awesome. I love that movie. And someone, a friend of yours, no, it sucked, or vice versa. Did that, does that ever happen? Oh. What do you tell them? Well, sure it does. It's like, well, you know, we just we, that's what's fun about going to movies with other people. You can debate the film. And that's almost as fun as watching the movie is debating it afterwards. And if you have differing opinions, it makes it more fun that way. And that's another reason why we have the film critic societies. If we all were like-minded, it wouldn't matter. And this way, we have great conversations. We can share different opinions between each other and with our audiences maybe it makes you look at the film a different way maybe you'd want to see it again and and see why they thought that it's great i love it has there ever been a film you want to you wanted to see again it was just so good it made such an impact on you well i have to tell you there's one movie that i've seen eight million billion times and i will see it anytime it's on you know don't you have like those movies that if you're watching tv and you're just kind of scrolling through what's on and there's a certain movie that's on, you will stop and watch it mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, that's mm-hmm. like Blazing Saddles for me, <laughs> Young Frankenstein, and probably the Shawshank Redemption. But if I scroll by it and it's on, I have to stop and watch it no matter where it is. It's the law. Do you have a movie where oh, you're watching TV gosh. and you scroll I... it and it comes up? There's a lot of movies that you like. Yeah. You know, or The Godfather. I love The Godfather. And if it was on, I would watch it, but I might not make sure that I stopped and watched it. Whereas if Steel Magnolias was on, I would stop and watch it. Yeah, you and I have pretty much the same taste. I would say, you know, along those lines for dramas, yeah, but if we're going, probably have to say Austin Powers, I'll always stop for Austin Powers. I'll be truly <laughs> honest. That's going to just blow my image altogether, but I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> yes, anybody that knows me well, I will stop and I'll watch that. Everything's changed now with the pandemic and how people watch movies and theaters and Netflix and Amazon and so on. Um, Are you also critiquing films that are on Netflix and Amazon, too? Yes. I mean, we had been doing that the last year or so anyway. Netflix would reach out and uh, send us some screeners or invite us to some screenings and the same with Amazon. But that's basically kind of what I've been doing um, since the pandemic started was kind of watching movies that are coming out in video on demand only Mm -hmm. because the theaters hadn't been open. Mm -hmm. Now that they're all opening, you know, they're starting to have screenings in person again, but they're giving you the option where you can come to the theater or you can stay home and we'll send you a screener on TV. Where do you see the future of movie watching is going? I think we have to get back to the theater. That's movies are larger than life in a movie theater. And yes, you can get a hundred inch 
TV now and have theaters in your home and surround sound, but, you know, not everybody has the ability to do that or necessarily the want to do that. And we do have big screen TVs and speakers and we can watch a movie pretty good at home, but I still think nothing beats the giant screen in a theater and watching with an audience. You know, it's more fun to go to a scary movie with an audience full theater because everybody's screaming at different things or laughing. There's the nervous energy. It makes it more fun than to just sit at home and watch a movie in silence. So I think people need to find a way to feel safe when they go back into the theater. I would not be afraid to go back. Now, I don't know if I would want to sit in a packed theater, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that there, if you, you know, let people have um, so many seats in between each other and you mm-hmm. can bring your wet wipes and wipe down the handles and um, I know you can get snacks in the theater, but mm-hmm. if you don't want to, you don't have to. I personally am ready to go back, and I'm not afraid to go back. I, I bet. It sounds like it. And you do get that that feeling. It's just a whole other experience when you're in a movie theater. Now, going back to... Yeah, when, and I think we need to get back to that. Do you take notes during the film? I mean, what's your process? Your writing is very good. When I read your uh, <laughs> you. critiquing of film... Do you just keep a mental note? Oh, oh, oh. Or do you write it all down? Or do you go home and think about it for a day? Or how do you how do you do that? You know, like 15 years ago, I probably didn't take notes. But now I take notes. (laughs) Because (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) remember. Not so much that I won't remember what happened in the movie. But while I'm watching the movie, you know, I think of something that I would want to say to my uh, readers. And um, so I write that down. I kind of do. I have to make because when I get home later, I will have forgotten, like, what's that line I wanted to say? So I try and write it. And of course, you have to perfect writing in the dark. So I have like a big notebook and a pen and I kind of scribble. And other, uh, some of my other colleagues you see taking notes. But I'm going to say the majority of the critics do not take notes. What's the best part of being Mm-mm. a film critic? Well, free movies. You get to see everything. I'm not going to lie. I, I know. That's why I asked you. Is it, are most of them really good or are most of them really bad? What is it like if you had to divide it percent wise? How many are really good where you're going, oh, this is great? And then how many are like, I think eh. we, I think we see more crummy movies than we see good movies. And I'll probably have to say because I see everything, what you like and the way you critique things changes throughout the years. When I first started, you know, I was just so happy to go get to see all these movies and I liked probably everything. It was great. And I wasn't seeing as many movies. And now, you know, I'm older, I've seen things and I think I know the good from the bad a little bit better. So I'm tougher. You know, you really have to kind of wow me now for me to give you above a seven on my one to 10 scale, because I've seen so much schlock out Mm -hmm. there that it's really tough. So it just changes. I mean, the, and I, but I have to start and think of the average moviegoer. You know, somebody who doesn't go to the movies that often, it's mm-hmm. a treat for them if they get to go once or twice a month because we know it costs a fortune <laughs> to go take oh, a yeah. family to a movie. So um, I have to think of them. It's like if they went out, would they enjoy this movie? Is it going to be something that they're going to really like? You know, I have to think back to the audience more so than just me. But then there's some stuff I just can't handle. It's just bad. How can movies be better? This isn't really, doesn't have anything to do with critiquing and what you do. But in your opinion, you've seen so many, you've seen so many for a long time. Um, how, how can stories be better? 
Well, I just think we just need more original stories. I'm tired mm-hmm. of all the remakes. Yeah. Everything is a remake or we've got to make, you know, Rambo 46. Why? Why do we still need to trot out Sylvester Stallone mm-hmm. just because, you know, the other Rambos made a bunch of money? And it's all about the money. And we know that's the way it always is. That's the bottom line. But I think even the audience just wants to see something fresh. It's like, what? There's another Fast and Furious coming out in 2020? Why? Is there? In 2021? Did they get yes, another? there's another one. Oh, well, there was, there was supposed to have already opened earlier this year, but... With the pandemic, everything's been pushed back. But yeah, you'll you'll be getting another Fast and Furious. Just say you were in charge of all the movies in Hollywood. T.J. Callahan <laughs> is sitting in the big MGM chair. She's calling the shots. So how would you make it better for the viewer? How would you make that happen? I don't know. Maybe throw back to like the 40s where we just have a nice, you know, story, a nice clean story, a, a beginning, a middle and an end, you know, Something that kind of ends on an upbeat note, not 8 million killings inside the theater, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. so many curse words. I mean, I'm not a prude or anything, but it's like when you go to a movie, the whole point of the movie is to see how many cars they can wreck in, you know, 20 minutes. It's like, that's not entertainment. That's a demolition derby. I just want good old fashioned, wholesome entertainment, kind of throwback from the 40s. Started with Matt Damon and went back to the 40s movies, which I'm, I'm loving both of those things, <laughs> tying them both together. So if people want to go ahead and read about what you have to say about a lot of these movies, how would they find out that? Well, they can follow me on Facebook. I'm capital T period, lowercase j period, Callahan. C-A-L-L-A-H-A-N. Okay. And I'm also on Instagram at TeachFlix. T-E-E-J-F-L-I-X. And I usually post my reviews on Fridays, sometimes early, sometimes late. But you're, you're more than welcome to follow me and, and give me some feedback. Tell me what you think. But they're a little shortened reviews. They're not as long as I do on the radio station, but it gets to the point. I'll bring popcorn once in a while. <laughs> Lots of butter. Of course. You've been listening to Spotlight Conversations with Donna Reed. Thanks for tuning in. 